Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Wise Athletes Podcast, where we invite you to join our journey to understand how older athletes can achieve high performance and longevity in athletics. I am Joe Lavelle with Dr. Glenn Winkle, and this is episode 24 of our podcast. Glenn and I decided to do this episode after I discovered how little I knew about warming up properly as an older athlete, but Glenn is a master. He's been racing his bike for a long time, and his body is no longer pain-free or limber. To get his body race ready, Glenn has developed a methodical process that he personally uses, which I call the four-step Winkle warm-up. And here are the four steps. One, an easy spin to start getting warm. Two, dynamic stretching and foam rolling to loosen the fascia to free the muscles. Three, cardiovascular warm-up for the heart and lungs. High RPM, low resistance. Four, muscular warm-up, legs, hips, back high RPM, and high resistance to hit the race heart rate. Listen in as Glenn explains why we do warm-ups, some warm-up myths, and how he accomplishes many simultaneous objectives in the time he invests in a good warm-up. This episode is part one of a two-part series on how to wisely prepare in the 24 hours before a big event to maximize your performance. There are an amazing number of things to do well, but all it takes is a bit of planning and some awareness of how important each little thing is to avoid wrecking your big event. I predict you'll get a lot to think about from this discussion. Now on to my conversation with Glenn. All right. Well, how are you doing today, Glenn? I'm doing great, Joe, and yourself? Oh, man, I'm doing very well. I got my vaccine today. All right. So I think maybe I'm on my last legs before the effect of it kicks in and I start feeling bad. Or maybe I won't. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll just have a sore arm. Yeah, it all depends. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually going to be a do-over episode that we didn't release about warm-ups. That that was our warm-up. That was our warm-up to our warm-up episode. Yes, (laughs) that's right. So the topic today is warm-up. And for the audience's sake, it is and isn't what you think it is. Hmm. So here's the idea. In the 24 hours prior to your event or your race, you need to get your body ready to perform maximally for this event. And even and immediately after, or maybe as a part of the very end of this event, there are some things that you would do to accelerate your recovery from the event. You know, whether it was a, a very hard race or it was a super hard workout, things that you would do that would make you recover faster. So you're going to lose less fitness as you wait to be able to do another hard workout. So today is going to be about, well, what are those things? Why does it matter? Uh, does it matter more for an older athlete? And the hint, hint yes, it does. <laughs> so, okay. So this is just going to be a thin slice of cheese here. We're not going to talk about the training you would do to get ready for your event or your race, or even the tapering from the training as you get ready for the race and not to not be exhausted for the race. We're just talking this about this 24-hour window. And there's a lot of things you can do. We're going to hear from Glenn, who is the master of warm up. And he's going to tell us about his amazingly effective warm up that helps his beat up body get ready, avoid injury, and to perform really well. But it's super time consuming. And some of you will not have that time or have the patience for it. And you'll have to decide from that set of things how to best use what time you're willing to invest in it or have available to get as much of your maximum performance as you can get. But if you're simply in the situation like I was recently of not warming up properly simply because you don't know what you're missing, 
then today is going to be a good day for you. Yes, indeed, Joe. It's true. Um, you know, but the thing I must must qualify is the fact that there are many times I would not warm up at all. I literally would be late for a race. I'd be driving to the site. I'd get there. They're on the start line already. I'm rushing over. Get my numbers, getting pinned on. Step on the start line and go from the gun. And I used to do that many times, especially when I was late. But now I I realize that as I'm older, I can't hop on the bike and go hard. It doesn't work. Muscles hurt. Back hurts. Legs hurt. I could pull a muscle if I'm not careful, and I want to have longevity and not get injured. Right. So what I discovered was that there's a certain time window I want to have prior to an event, and usually it's more than an hour. It sometimes can be an hour and a half to two hours of time before the event to get myself mentally and physically ready to be able to race and to be competitive. And so, like I said, some folks won't have that kind of time. They can't devote that time to it. But I found that in order to really enjoy the racing, not be suffering the first 15, 20 minutes of a race, if my muscles aren't warmed up properly, um, if I spend the time to warm up very slowly and very methodically, I have a very methodical way to warm up, so I kind of basically release all the parts of my body, get everything ready to go from my cardiovascular system to my muscles to my fascia, my, you get everything stretched out, so then it gets tweaked or injured, you know. That's such a key thing. And it comes about through experience. Obviously, it comes about through injury. It comes about from having heart surgery and having to recover from heart surgery and be able to go into an event and not damage my heart. Uh, so all these things I put together into like a format that kind of explains when I get to the race, what are the first things I must do? That's this sequence and then this sequence. And I keep doing it. And I have basically five basic steps I go through. And it's the very first thing, obviously, you'll probably know this before you get to the event. In fact, weeks in advance, you'll know, is you have to say, what am I warming up for? This is critical. Because if you're warming up for, let's say, a 100-mile ride, it's going to be quite different than a one-kilometer sprint. You know, or if you're warming up for just uh, match sprints, or if you're warming up for a criterium, or you're warming up for like a hilly road race or a time trial, each type of event requires a different type of warm up because some races go from the gun, like a time trial or some criteriums or a kilo, for example, a one kilometer event. Whereas some races, they'll lollygag for the first 20, 30 miles and chat and have a little camaraderie, and then the race starts and you got. 70, 80 miles to go. So you have time to kind of warm up in the event. It's not as critical to have a really good warm up, but because you don't often know how a race is going to go, how it starts. So I always warm up with the mindset that if it goes from the gun, I'm ready to go. I'm warmed up to go with an effort right from the gun. And in a hundred mile race, that sometimes happens. Oddly enough, <laughs> there's no warm up. It's just like, go. Right. And as minute the gun goes off, boy, the race starts. And maybe it's more likely to happen now because people listening here realize that a lot of people are counting on warming up as a part of the first few miles of a race. So if mm. they're warmed up, attack, attack, attack. Exactly. That's a good, it's actually, it's, it's a good strategy, which I've actually used in races, thinking that people are going, oh, it's going to be easy start. I'll go from the gun. Intentionally, I'll go out at 100% right from the gun. And a lot of guys are completely caught off guard because they don't expect that at all. It's a, it's awesome. a hundred mile race, Glenn, what are you doing? It's like, well, <laughs> those guys that aren't warmed up will get dropped and we won't see them the rest of the race because they'll be by themselves riding on, you know, all by themselves. So that's why it's important to be warmed up. I'll chase in five more miles when I'm warmed up. Right, yeah. exactly. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this bigger picture, this 24 hour thing, it includes some things, some of which we're not, we're probably not going to be able to cover today. But let's just talk about them, Glenn. So help me out here. I mean, there's this idea of openers. You know, some people like to do a real hard, intense, but short workout the day before. They feel mm -hmm. like that gets the body loosened up, gets 
everything ready to go for the next day. Some people hate that. Some people like doing more of a long, easy ride the morning of maybe an afternoon race, and then they'll do something right before the race to get warm. But the idea is this workout that you might do, which is not a workout to get stronger, but it's a workout to prepare your body for the event, for the race. Well, you know, it's funny because um, I think there's three basic types of, of 24 hour before the event. One is absolutely nothing at all. There are days I've done intentionally nothing at all. I don't even get in the bike at all. I kind of want to be as far from the bike as possible. Not even going to focus on the riding at all. Other times I'd realize, yeah, I'm feeling a little sore. I'm going to go out and just do a nice, easy recovery ride, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes, nothing effort, heart rate way below hundred beats per minute. And other times I'll do some like where I've done um, like a track workout the day before, like, like a, a hill climb, you know, to kind of open my legs up a little bit. And that's been beneficial too. So it really depends on where my body's at. Cause there's times when it's, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm not going to work out today. And other times my legs, I need to open them up, get the muscles flowing, get the blood into the, you know, the blood supply into the muscles and open things up a little bit, as you say. And I agree. It is all individual. And uh, I'm not sure that we'll have time to get into this particular topic in detail, but we'll come back with a follow-up to talk about this more. I mean, another, another thing is food and uh, drink. Oh, yeah. You know, it used to be people would carbo load, uh, you know, the night before a morning race. But some people get sick to their stomach if they have food in their stomach when they're racing. Other people have, I have, what's called rebound hypoglycemia or reactive hypoglycemia. It's where you have eaten something that causes an insulin spike, say, an hour before you start exercising. And then by the time you start exercising, that's when your insulin is high right. in your blood. And now your muscles are starting mechanistically pulling in the sugar from the blood and you're getting a double whammy of things pulling sugar out of your blood your blood sugar is starting to fall and you get this effect on your brain of feeling tired and weak <laughs> and it and you're thinking oh my god I, i've done something wrong my openers didn't work or I, i'm getting you know you don't know what it is i didn't know what it was it took me a long time to figure out i can't eat for three hours before anyway mm -hmm. But the food that you eat and the timing of the food that you eat, these right. are things that matter as well. And there will be other things too. The one thing that we are going to talk about for sure today, and if we have time, we'll talk about some other things in this 24-hour period is this warm-up. Mm -hmm. Correct. The warm-up that you're doing right before the event. You're trying to get some things happening to your body. Of course, at that same time, you might be preparing your mind you might be doing some other things as well, like checking out the course if it's not 100 miles long. Let's go through, Glenn. What are the kinds of things that are happening before we get into your process? Because some of the things that you do, some of the things any person would do are accomplishing more than one thing at a time, which is good because nobody has all the time in the world. Plus, a warm-up is something that often works best if it is right before the event and you're you're still warm and your heart rate is still elevated when you're on the start line so it's not something that you would want to do six hours earlier and then show up after you've all cooled down but when we're talking about a warm-up we're talking about a few things the first one is we're talking about actually getting warm our actual warm-up one of the correct. key things of it is that you get warm correct yeah I mean, and the reason why your body is actually warming up is because you're using the muscles. And using the muscles generates heat as a byproduct of creating energy. So when I think of warm up, I think of 
two basic systems. The first system is the cardiovascular system. It's your heart muscle. It's a muscle. You want to warm the muscle up, get it used to go from maybe a resting heart rate of 50 or 60 beats per minute up to whatever your max is going to be, which might be anywhere from 150 to 230 watts, not watts, 230 beats per minute. So you have to think about if you're, if you, let's say you're resting, let's say 60, just for reference. And let's say that it's three times that when you're racing at 180. So you have to think about this muscle that's working at one level. And now it's got to work at three times that level. So you want to get the heart muscle warmed up to do that exercise and hold three times its normal heart rate for maybe how long the event might be, whether it be half an hour to a couple of hours or more. So you want to warm up the cardiovascular system, which is the heart muscle. But in addition, the blood vessels themselves, the arteries have a muscular wall. And that muscle wall, let's, there are certain compounds that tighten the muscles and restrict blood flow. You want to open those blood, you want to open those arteries up yeah. big, like full bore, so you can deliver all that blood that's being pumped from the heart to the muscles. So that's the cardiovascular system is the, the delivery of oxygen and the delivery of the blood supply to supply the nutrients and the oxygen to the muscles. You got to open that up essentially. And that's going to be the, the first part. The second part, then they're connected, of course, is the muscles themselves. The muscles are going from very little or no load to putting maybe maximum load on the muscles. And so the muscle has to be warmed yeah. up to the point where they're basically getting the blood supply. They're ready to move. They can fire at will and they can fire at full strength. And in addition to that, you have other factors around the muscle, the muscle sheath, the tendons and everything else have to be worn. They have to have their own blood supply essentially. So that you don't, when you, when you pop it, you don't suddenly have a, hear a breaking sound like a snap and realize, Ooh, that wasn't good. You could pop a tendon, you could tear some fascia, you can, you can tear things. So you want to have all those systems kind of warmed up before you get into the event, because many times, I've seen this happen many times, actually, people don't realize when the gun goes off that there's so much adrenaline that they just go boom and hit it really hard, harder than they normally would, and they can break things, tear things, hurt themselves. And I've seen people break their collarbone on a start line, on a standing start. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of force to snap a bone. But that was actually, the bone was pre-broken, but still, it snapped. I heard it snap. And so I know that the, the forces you're exerting on the start when the adrenaline kicks in and you go hard can do damage if you're not fully warmed up. So this is really important that we do warm up and do it well. Yeah. Okay. And so it's a tricky dance because to get warm, you've got to be exercising somewhat vigorously, but to exercise somewhat vigorously, you don't want to do it when your muscles are not used to anything and your heart is not used to anything. So you, you have to ramp it up fairly yeah. slowly. And really the, the older I've gotten, the slower I want to Correct. go with that. I, I mean, right now, if I was to get out of this chair and then just go run down my street, I yeah. would get injured. There's no doubt about it. So if my plan was to go run down my street, I'd probably start walking and then I would be jogging and then I would just slowly get it going so that in you know maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, I was sprinting down right. the street. And the same is true with warming up for like, like, in fact, what you experienced before riding long and steady for several hours, the feeling the people believe that, oh, I don't want to get tired for the event. I don't want to burn all my energy. But in reality, you're much more efficient if your body is properly warmed up. And in fact, the energy utilized just to go like for a couple hour ride, nice and easy is very, very small compared to the amount you actually energy utilize in the event itself, where you're going at maximum effort and maximum heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to getting into that a little more because I, I have some personal discovery here in just the last mm -hmm. month or so that really ha has been amazing for me because I have 
you know, we all have read the articles that say, oh, warmups are mm. overrated. The biggest problem with warmups is that you tie yourself out and then you can't do your race. And so, I, you know, I have always tried to do as little warmup as I could. You know, I, I didn't want to do less than I needed, but I did. I sure didn't want to do more right. than I needed. And now I'm tired in the race. Well, you are so right. The key is to not do too much intensity. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fail to do even a little extra low intensity work because that way you're for sure warmed up and all of your systems are working. And fortunately, I mean, you want to get your heart going. You want to get your lungs going. You want to get your breathing muscles ready for some hard work. Your, your muscles and tendons and ligaments are warm and they're more flexible. Blood vessels have opened, like you said. Your nerves are warmed up, and now they're going to fire really efficiently. Uh, You also are practicing your neuromuscular work and the motions you're going to do in your race, which are things you've been practicing for years and years and years. But all of that, of course, you get to do all at the same time. So you're pretty time efficient with a nice warm-up that is functional to the sort of work you're going to do in your event. We're not talking about a lot of other things then, you know, if it's a bike race, most of your warm up is going to be riding the bike, right? Right. Well, you know, I used to do a lot of bike riding, actually riding the bike beforehand. But now with these smart trainers, you'll see me parked with the trainer next to my car and I'll be warming up, do the whole warm up right there next to the car. And ironically, this is, this has led to some funny situations where I normally will get on the course, like between, between my event and someone else's event and ride laps in the course and get a feeling for the course. And I can tell you countless times when I put on a trainer, it's, I do it, I enjoy it so much. I get in the course and the start line, I realize, uh, where's the race go? <laughs> I haven't ridden the course yet. <laughs> and that could be a little disconcerting because in the first couple laps when you're racing, you're trying to figure out, oh, is it left turn? Oh, right turn, right turn, left turn. You're trying to figure out, map the course out during the race. I've had that myself. And, and the problem is also that some idiot left their car parked in the middle of the race and they, they couldn't get rid of it in time. And so now you come around a corner and it's like, holy crap. A there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a good idea to check out the course, particularly if you've never seen it before, but even just to know what surprises are in store for you that day. But yeah, I, I do the same thing. I use rollers. Mm-hmm. I always find that using a turbo trainer mm-hmm. that it has too much resistance at really low cadence yeah. and it bugs me as I'm trying to get up to speed. It bugs my knees, but on the rollers, I can pedal super easy. So my workout to start with is just as easy as I want it. Mm-hmm. And then I just pedal faster and get into a bigger gear until I'm ready to get into my max heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important because I have to think about the situation too, is that oftentimes I may have driven an hour or two or sometimes three hours to get to an event. So I've been sitting in the car idle for like several hours. My back is sore. My muscles are stiff. You know, my right foot's been pressing the accelerator. So it's a little tight than everything else. My neck might be tight from sitting in the car and driving. So, you know, I want to get on the bike, on the trainer or the bike, whatever, and just roll around really easy, kind of loosen the muscles up, maybe stretch my back out a little bit, you know, just get the blood going because I've been sitting in the car for several hours. Yeah, yeah. And that's the very first part of the warm-up. That just the, I call it the pre-warm-up. Do you turn the car heater on while you're driving? Uh, it depends. So, well, I'll put the seat heaters on, yeah. Keep my back warm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, I always try to do that because I always figure, might as well get a little jump start on this. I'm going to. You know, I got to warm up, so I might as well get some artificial warmth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, there's another aspect too that people, some people totally avoid, which is stretching. And I know back in the day, I never stretched before races. It was something new for me. But um, now, if I don't stretch, I pay a heavy price. 
because the muscles just don't work properly unless I'm stretched out. My back muscles, you know, my hip, um, my psoas, my hamstrings, you know, all these muscles are tight, especially if you sit in the car. And then you're in a race position. It's very much like sitting in a car. It's like a forward position. So I've got to get everything stretched out so my back is not sore, my neck's not sore, my arms are. So I'm always, you'll see me on the bike, you know, early on, just stretching my back and doing rotational twists and things like that and moving my arms around just to get everything kind of loosened up. Yeah, yeah. And then because I, before I stretch, I never, I don't just stretch. I warm the body up first a little bit and then I stretch. Once this blood flow in my muscle because I don't want to tear something by stretching it. Right, right. Stretching cold, that, that would be a mistake. And, and what about like um, dynamic right. stretching as opposed to static stretching? I mean, where do you go well, with that? Well, the thing is, this, a static stretch is causes a reflex to cause the muscle to tighten. So the idea of a dynamic stretch where you're actually using your muscle to stretch the muscle doesn't activate the stretch reflex. So the whole idea is that when you just statically stretch, you activate the stretch reflex, which then causes the muscle to tighten, to shorten. And you want to get away from that by even dynamic stretching. So I'm big on dynamic stretch. I use the yoga straps pretty much for dynamic stretching um, and other devices where I'm not really just stretching, but um, I might roll muscles out, which is stretching more. It's, it's a static stretch, more of sorts, fascia. but it's more the fascia than anything else that needs to be stretched. Yeah. And it's got to be true. And I wish I, I had facts to back it up, but just for anecdotally, there's no doubt that I'm stiffer as I get older. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty of data that suggests that. And one of the things yeah. are, and you think about this, I'm going to use the cataract as a model, but you know, a cataract is cross-linking of the proteins in the, in the eye, in the lens. And when the cross-linkage yeah. becomes, you can't see through it again. So you get cataracts, but the same thing yeah. happens in the muscles and happens in the fascia, the fascia, you get cross-linking between the diff different proteins and it's not as flexible. And so you lose the flexibility in the fascia and the fascias goes from really from the head to your toe. And it surrounds, it's a sheath around all the muscles and all, and all the tendons. There's a fascia sheath. That is, if it stretches, it means you can't, you can't elongate the muscle. You're fighting the fascia. So you've got to stretch the fascia that's around the muscles to get the flexibility you want. And so you're absolutely right. Yeah. On that point, uh, I wanted to interject here that what I've heard is that if you have, are tight or have pain because your fascia is tight, your brain will turn off your muscles at least to some extent. So you're, you're losing power if you have not gotten your fascia stretched out. Is that something you've experienced, oh, yeah. Glenn? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, actually, have you heard that? Um, you know, I, it's really funny. People think when you're stretching, you're stretching muscles. I don't see it as a muscle stretch anymore because the muscles are fine. You know, it's just the fascia around them is tight. And I've got to stretch the muscles so that, I mean, stretch the fascia so the muscle will work properly. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, the fascia limits motion. And if you're feeling pain because the fascia is tight, well, you're not going to go hard into the pain because that's going to feel like you're going to damage something. So you'll tend to back off a bit. And I know because I have that issue of my left leg when I'm racing. If I don't stretch up my low back and certain muscles, I'm going to have, I can't put pressure on my left leg like I would normally because I feel pain through my back. So the kind of thing, this has come from experience, from trying things out. You mentioned how certain areas will affect other areas. And I use a, um, in fact, I have it right here. I, I use a hyperice, hyper, hyperbolt, which is a percussion massager. And I'll use that to massage certain areas, to hit certain areas with percussion massage to figure out what other areas are tight because it'll trigger responses elsewhere in the body. So I can use that. To, if my hamstrings are tight, I can work my hamstrings. I can work my IT band, things of that sort. Yeah, I have a massage gun as well, which I just love. I mean, I, I don't even care if it really helps me. It gives me such pleasure in my life. It hurts so good <laughs> that I never, I mean, I'm never giving it up. I love it. Yeah. So uh, I totally get that. 
So, but yeah, that, and that's one thing that we really didn't talk about. You know, we talked about warming up the body and getting the body ready to do exercise, but the whole joint mobility mm-hmm. thing, range of motion, mm-hmm. if you don't get your body ready for the, a proper range of motion, you're going to hurt. Yeah. And get hurt too. I mean, it's possible that you're going to overcome these limits through adrenaline, but you can see how that would go against you eventually. Yeah, that'll cause injury actually, what will happen. Yeah, it's important because when the adrenaline is pumping, I'll tell you honestly, you'll do things that are beyond your normal abilities and you can easily damage things. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Glenn, but I think we've talked about all the things that a good warm-up is doing for you. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing else to add to that, then why don't we go through your process? Sure, yeah. And your process, I'm sure you didn't design it to be as time-consuming as possible. <laughs> you've made it as, I'm sure you've made it as efficient as possible, even though it's still pretty long, mm-hmm. but just kind of describe what things are happening, when, and why you're doing them in the order you are. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, maybe even if it's possible to think about, and if I didn't have time, I might skip this step, but I would have to do that step a little bit longer mm-hmm. just so people could understand, oh, there's no way I'm going to get there two hours before. So, you know, if I only had an hour, what could I do? Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I get out of the car, you know, my muscles are tight. I'm a little sore. I'll hop on the trainer and you'll see me sit my trainer in my street clothes, in my sneakers, just pedaling around, just pedaling my legs, get my legs loosened up a little bit. And then once I get my body kind of warmed up and a little bit stretched out, I'll get up my mat. I have a yoga mat and I'll get out my stretch strap and everything else and my rollers. And I'll start. So you're talking five minutes, 10 oh, minutes? Gosh, what, what did you spend? That, that initial period could be as much as half an hour. Just very general, oh. going really easy. Like maybe just like 50, you know, 50, um, you know, 50 watts, very easy. Just bending my legs out, stretching. I'm, you know, I'm stretching my arms, I'm moving my hands around, I'm like stretching my back out, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm on a trainer, so I can just do that. On a regular bike, if I was rolling around, I'd probably fall off the bike if I did that. So that's what's nice about yeah. the trainer. And that might be half an hour, because if I have time, it's gonna be a half an hour probably doing that. And then the next set is gonna be laying on the ground, getting my stretching done, get my hamstrings stretched, get my back stretched out, my neck stretched out, my arms, my legs, my feet, You know, using rollers, using the stretch step, dynamic stretching, roller stretching sticks of that sort. And I'll know when I hit that point where I'm, okay, it's time to get back on the bike again. So what is this stuff? These are just like yoga stretches you're doing? What are you doing? I'm stretching my hamstrings with a stretch trap. So it's a dynamic stretch. So I learned this from a massage therapist at the velodrome one year. But basically, I just take the yoga strap and I just pull my leg up. So I'm stretching my hamstring and then I push down against it, essentially stretching a dynamic stretch for the hamstrings. That's really important. So you're using the hamstring to stretch the hamstring. You will use in the, yeah, we'll use in your quads, extension stensors, yeah to stretch the hamstring essentially. The idea is just to basically get the muscles stretched out a little bit. And then of course I have certain trouble areas like my IT band, my psoas muscle. Um, I gotta I gotta roll them out because my knees will get next up if I don't. You know, and then my low back sometimes and then my upper shoulders because I'll be on the bike for a while. They'll be a little bit tight. So I wanna get all that kind of worked out first before right. I start the next phase of the warm up. Okay, so for the audience then, they'll know what they're the trouble hard spots are, their painful spots are. And then you just got to do that, but it's better if you did a little bit of blood flow before, before that. Yeah, definitely. And But you certainly want to do that before you then start to work warm up right. harder. Well, then the next phase, though, I, I call it the cardiovascular warm-up. And it, it really is designed to get my, my heart muscle working, my lungs working again, kind of opening up the blood vessels. It's, it's not really designed to open up the muscles. It's designed to open up the heart. And the way I do this, and this is different from a lot of riders, I know they don't do this, is very high RPM and very low resistance. So the idea is that, and you, you think about this, if you do two types of workouts, one workout is 
extremely high RPM, maybe 150 RPM versus huge gear and just turning maybe 40 RPM, pushing it. Think about what happens in those situations. On the one, the muscle hurts when you're pushing a big gear. On the other one, you're, you're hyperventilating, you're breathing really hard because you're working the cardiovascular system. I want to open the cardiovascular system up prior to opening up the muscles. I want one before the other because it's going to deliver the blood flow to the muscles. I'll do the muscle part second. So hyper, so the, um, the cardiovascular system is first. And all I'm doing is, is basically is bringing my, my RPM up to maybe, I'll start off at about maybe 100 RPM and then build it to 150, or, I mean, 110 RPM and then eventually 250 RPM, my goal. Most road cyclists can't do that. They don't spin that fast. But um, you know you can you can find a range where you're comfortable at where you're not bouncing all over the bike, but you can basically hit about 120 125 RPM. Right. But the idea yeah. is that you're trying to emphasize the cardiovascular system over the muscles. Right. I want my respiration up. I want my heart rate up, and um, it's not going to hit max. It's just want to get it elevated to the point where it's it's working, sure. but it's not working hard because the muscles aren't engaged. Sure. That's the the next phase of the warm up period. So I call that the okay. cardiovascular phase, and then I want to get the muscles ready to go. Okay, so before you jump to the muscles, versus your, you know, your race heart rate, right. where, where are you getting your heart rate to relative to your race heart rate? It's not going to get to race heart rate in the, in the, in the cardiovascular warm-up. It'll maybe get to, my race heart rate's around a 150 or 155, so it'll get up to about 120 maybe, maybe 125, but not much beyond that. That comes with the okay. next phase, when that's okay. when heart rate goes into like high load where I've got to deliver lots of blood, a lot of oxygen to the muscles and, and, and supply to the muscles. But that happens the next okay. phase. Okay. All right. So after the cardio phase, you do what? I call that the muscular phase. And here I'm trying to get the muscles ready for what I call the heavy work, the heavy lifting, so to speak. And so, you know, I've, I've warmed up, I'm stretched out, my cardiovascular system's running, my heart can, can handle, you know, decent high load. And now what I'm doing, I'm taking up in power steps. So it might be, I might go for like 150 watts and try to hold that for maybe about, maybe a couple of minutes. And I'll back down, let my heart recover again. Then I might take a run at about you know 200 watts, then 250, and keep increasing the power to the point where I'm doing full-on sprints. So I'm generating over a thousand watts. I'm maybe maybe holding that for as long as maybe five seconds. It's very short, but it's very intense. And um, if I'm on my Lamont trainer, you'll know it because it sounds like a jet plane taking off when I'm winding it up full gear. And so how many? Yeah. How many seconds? I mean, that sounds like a lot of high intensity to do right before a race. But I mean, is, mm -hmm. would you do it for five seconds only once or would you do it multiple well, times? Well, I figure, what I've, you probably discovered this as well too, that for a sprinter, it usually takes me three full sprints to get up to full speed. So the first sprint's not very fast. Like if I'm doing, you know, if I'm doing like, uh, what do you call those flying laps, you know, flying sprints, 200 yeah. meters, the first one's not very good. Second one's not bad. Third one's probably the fastest. And so if I'm gonna compete in flying sprints, I want to have at least three or four under my legs before I do the actual one that's going to be timed. Uh, okay, so for a track, I get right. I get what you're saying. And so I guess, again, what you had said early on, that it kind of depends on what you're trying to warm up for. Right. So if you're warming up for a flying 200, mm -hmm. then yeah, you, you better be ready for, uh, sprinting is all there is right. in such an event. So, yeah. But if you're going to do a crit, then maybe there's going to be some sprinting in the middle of the race, not a lot, but some, but there's definitely going to be a sprint at the end. Well, the, in uh, some but crits you, though, as you're aware, there's going to be a sprint at the beginning of the race. Because um, if I want good position in the start of a race, I want to be at the front, I will go from the gun in a full-on sprint. Okay. And then a cross race, the, cross it's a races, sprint right off the gun. The gun. Racing right from the gun. A lot of yeah, these races yeah. go from the gun. And so you've got to be okay. ready for that so, intensity right from the word go. 
Because if you're not, I mean, it's happened to me when I first started Zwift racing, which is virtual racing. I mean, they'd go and I'm like going, they all just dropped right from the gun. I was like, I was off the back because I had no idea how fast they went from the gun. But they were going, so now I know I have to maintain 400 watts to stay with the lead group or else I get dropped. And if I can't maintain 400 yeah. watts for the first five minutes, I'm, I'm not in the lead group anymore. And that's pretty okay. intense, you know. And some guys are putting okay. out 500 plus watts in the start. So, yeah. All right, so your muscular phase then, right. you, you were finishing that one up, I think. Well, the muscular phase, basically, you know, in the previous cardiovascular warm-up, I'm using low gears. So all I'm doing is building the gears and taking the RPM up again. So it's similar, but it's at a high load. So now I'm making the muscles do work, and so they're going to require more oxygen. That's when your heart rate starts to come up. And so in that workout, I want my heart rate to get to my max heart rate. And it's going to be very brief. It won't hit my max, but it'll get close. In a, in a brief sprint, it'll pop up and it'll recover again. But like I said, I might need to do two or three sprints like that to get to full speed. I want to do those very close to the start of a race, within five or 10 minutes of the start. Okay. So that's the, what I call the final stage of the warm-up. And then the next five, 10 minutes is my warm down because I'm going to be get my bike ready to go, getting the wheels on, get into the start line and get in the start line. And then, you know, you want to be there at least five, 10 minutes for the start, typically. You haven't left much time between the end of that and the race. So is there any other part of the warm-up? Um, <laughs> that's quite a lot of stuff. That takes about an hour, all of that to do. You know. Oh, oh yeah. I'm I'm not hoping there's more. I'm just I'm just saying you've run out of time now. You said there's only five minutes to the race. Yeah. And so there can't be much. So uh, if there's no more to that, then share your uh, secrets on how do you avoid missing the start of the race <laughs> when you are warming up until so close. Well, to the start? just for the fun, I'll tell you a funny story. I was warming up for a race one time, and um, it was actually it was at Laguna Seca, and. Uh, Someone came up to me and said, Glenn, aren't you going to race? I go, sure, I'm going to. Well, why aren't you in the pack? I go, what do you mean? He says, and he points to the field and they're out there racing. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so what happened? <laughs> they started the race early and I, I was warming up. I didn't know about it. And the race started without me. So I, had to, I hopped in the okay. bike. I chased the start and I chased the whole race. I never caught him. <laughs> okay. Well, that sucks. I'm yeah. starting the race sort of earlier than they said they would. But in a normal you don't know exactly when they're going to start the race because they're going to start it when the race before is over pl plus some time. Mm -hmm. So you really kind of have to be alert. And ideally, I suppose you've parked and your trainer mm -hmm. is sitting in a place where you can eyeball the start line right. and, and you can see yeah. what's happening. Well, but yeah. sometimes you can't. Well, about three laps to go in a race, I'm ready. I'm getting myself ready to go. You know, so I'll be at the start line. My wheels will be in the pit. You know, I'm ready to go. And you'll see other guys all lined up, ready to go. And then, of course, as soon as the race finishes, we'll hop on the course and do a lap or two. And then we'll go right to the start line. Okay, so there's a key then. As long as you have some way of telling when the race before has ended, mm -hmm. now you can get off your trainer and onto your bike onto the road. Mm -hmm. So even if they're going to take a little while to get the race started, you can be sort of holding your warm-up, keeping it going. Yeah, Oh yeah, well, I mean, you kind of know if, if you're if you're watching laps on a criterium, you have a good idea. It'd be another 15, 20 minutes or something like that. I normally had about 15 minutes for the races to start the start time. I start getting everything ready to go. I got to put the wheel back on the bike. I got to check everything out, make sure the brakes work and do a little roll around, get my wheels in the pit and everything else. So I'm, you know, get my gear on, get my numbers, make sure everything's pinned on. And so I'm, I don't want to be worried about last minute rushing around. I don't, my number's not pinned on or something like that. I want to be just ready to go. And so there's a methodical process to lining everything up so I don't have to be stressed at any point along the way. I want to just be able to do it methodically. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, get my wheels in the pit. Okay, I'm on the start and let's go. It's just, it's just less okay. stress. <laughs> 
Well, and that reminds me that another thing that is going on in this 24-hour period is getting your equipment ready Mm -hmm. and making sure that when you leave your house (laughs) for wherever you're going, you bring everything. (laughs) You don't show up and you don't have one of your shoes or something stupid. I've I've left every part behind, including the bicycle. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's, it's not funny in some because I get to a bike race, I've driven several hours. And I go to get my bike off the roof of the car. And I go, where's my bike? And they go, what do you mean, where's your bike? Where's your bike? Where's, where's my bike? Well, I thought you put it on the car. I thought you put it on the car. And it's sitting back at my house on the long side of the garage all day long. And I didn't get to race. I have a bicycle. So, I mean, these are some, now I have a checklist. I check the checklist off. And I still forget my shoes or my helmet or my gloves or my socks. You know, it's just, it's just yeah, a lot of pieces yeah. of the puzzle on a bike between the bicycle and all the equipment and the tools and then the, the clothing and the shoes and the helmet and the gloves. So I have to have a checklist. Otherwise, I forget things. And I will still forget okay. things. That's nothing new. Okay. But. All right. Well, I, w- I want to hold that topic again for this uh, this follow up episode where we, we can get into the, the food <laughs> and the and the openers, uh-huh. and now we're going to talk about how to make sure your equipment is ready to go, and how to make sure you bring everything, and maybe you'll even have some other tips on things like making sure that you bring pins and and remembering how to pin on a number, uh, uh, all of the little things that can get in the way. But let's say focused on the warm up part of it. Mm-hmm. What would some of the minimums be? You know, rules of thumb. You know, you run out of time. You you got lost. You got in traffic. You didn't get. You you got there a little bit too late. What would you be sure to do to take advantage of whatever time you had, even though you couldn't do your normal thing? Well, I think number one for me is stretching. I have to get some stretching done, otherwise, I my back will mess up, or my legs will mess up, or my knees will mess up. That's number one. Number two is my cardiovascular. My muscles, yeah, they're okay, but get my lungs because I had heart surgery some years back, but now it's 15 years ago. So um, my heart doesn't respond well if it's not warmed up. So I have to get my heart warmed up gradually. You know, I can't just hop on the bike and go full speed. That's not gonna give my heart. Um, So that to me is the most important. The muscles will get the warm up along the way, but the cardiovascular system, you have to open up the muscles and the the arteries get that going. So if I came to race, I only had like, and this is happening, you know, 15, 20 minutes to race. I'll do a little stretch, hop on the bike and start doing some quick little snappy workouts and then go to the start line and go and hope it doesn't go from the gun. Just get the heart rate up as high as you can yeah. well, and then see how just, it goes. I, I wouldn't go high as I can. I just go to like 120 to 130. So I'm in the range at least. That's happened to me on Zwift okay. sometimes where I, I only hit 130. I know I'm going to hit 150 in the race, but you know, hopefully I, I'll manage it. I manage okay, but not ideal. I mean, if I want, yeah. if, if it's an important race to me, like it's a world championship or a national championship, I'll do a complete warm up and I'll make sure it's down to the T. And even then, there's a there's a, there's a psychological aspect that affects your brain, which is like I didn't get a good warm up, and that will affect your performance. So if I can kind of mitigate all those issues by doing a very controlled and careful warm up and hitting all the bases, there's not this mental gnawing in my brain telling me I didn't warm up properly and I didn't get a good warm up, so I'm not going to have good performance. Okay, what happens if it's a a very hot day? Hmm. Uh, or it's a very cold day. I mean, how does this affect your world? Oh, of course, dramatically so. I know, in fact, there's a national championship. It was out in Arkansas. It must have been 105 degrees, and I was in an air-conditioned car the whole time. I didn't even want to go out. It was so hot outside and so just sultry, humid, that you couldn't, you could barely breathe out there. So I'm in an air-conditioned car right before the start of the race. I, I didn't do much warm-up at all. I didn't do well, of course, but then again, it was just so hot as it was. I don't like hot and humid. So, yeah, yeah. And on cold days, you know, you got to, you got to peel off all the layers and you got to figure out what, how many layers I'm going to wear during the race. Am I going to wear leg warmers? I'm going to wear long sleeve gloves or short sleeve gloves. I'm going to wear a boot, a, be- a beanie cap. Am I going to wear 
one layer, two layers, or three layers, because you don't want to be too hot and you don't want to be too cold. And you can't tell sometimes when you're warming up because you feel cold as you start your warm up and you guys, you get warm, you might get too hot. So there are all these variables you got to figure out. And by warming up, you kind of get to the point where you realize, okay, I'm at my race warm up level. I know I can, I can wear these two, two layers and I'll be okay. Yeah. And a thing like a vest is something you can unzip in the middle of the race. Whereas mm -hmm. a thing like a knee warmer, you know, it's either on or it's off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about Zwift a little bit. And the reason I want to talk about Zwift is because, I mean, I'm 58 years old and I've just discovered the wonder of a long warm-up myself. And I never would have done it, except that it just turned out due to logistical matters that I had a lot of time to ride on the days where the races were scheduled. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I wasn't going to, give up my whole day of riding just to do the race. I mean, it wasn't like a real race. It was just a Zwift fun race. Mm -hmm. So I would do my rides and I figured, well, I probably wouldn't race as well, but that's okay. I'd still have fun. I'd get to say hello to everybody. On the first time that I did it, I did work out too hard before, I, you know, like rode three hours and I, and I was, I was pretty cooked, but then I felt pretty good for a while in the race, but then I, I couldn't hang on, right. you know, I was just too tired. So I then started I would still do the long rides. I just would not make it. I would tone it down. I wouldn't make it so hard. I would try to keep it to endurance pace and just leave a few sprints in there where I'd get, you know, some maximum, maybe not maximum power, but high power. And I'd make sure my heart rate got up close to my race heart rate a couple of times, but for short periods of time. Mm -hmm. And then when I showed up at these races, I felt amazing, yeah, amazing. Like I was in a in somebody else's body, you know. I would be go, I would be putting high power out for minutes at a time, and I don't even feel it. Mm -hmm. It's like whose legs are these? Yeah. Who is feeling the pain that these legs are putting out? Because I'm not feeling it. What is happening to me? Just given your experience, I'm going to say you're probably not surprised at all. I was stunned. I'm. And, and ultimately, that is why we're doing this podcast is because we've been laughing about how amazed I am. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. Like I said, there's this common belief that people feel they don't want to warm too much. They want to waste the energy. They're thinking that there's only yeah. so much energy in the pot. And if I use some, I'm going to have less for the race. I want to preserve all my energy. So it's all ready for the race. And they don't do a proper warm up. And the net result is that they're not efficient. So they're using more energy. I mean, think about this. Imagine an old, squeaky, rusty machine that need that has no oil, and it's it's like yeah. it's there's so much resistance in the joints and the, the parts that it's just it's using a lot of energy just to move. And now, yeah. you know, clean it all up, get rid of all the rust, oil it up pretty good, which is what you're doing in your warm up essentially. And now it moves more freely, it uses less, it's more efficient. And so what you've experienced is that you got all the joints oiled, you got all the muscles warmed up, you got the cardiovascular system warmed up, and so racing feels easier. I, I can tell you, on those days when I don't warm up properly, the race start is hard. It is, it, it hurts, and I'm suffering. On the days when I warm up effectively, it's like, wow, that was easy. Why is everyone else suffering so bad? Because they didn't warm up as yeah. well. Especially when yeah. a race goes from the gun, uh, whether it's my fault or someone else's fault. They just, they just take it from the, I mean, literally, from the minute the gun goes off, it's hammered down and there's no rest. And you're just struggling yeah. to hang on to the field sometimes because you're not warmed up. So... Right. It makes sense. I mean, even just to do a, like, I know George Mount many years ago would tell me they'd, they'd ride for an hour for a warm up, just nice and easy for an hour. That was his warm up. I was like, that's insane. I, I was in the mindset that, well, if I 
ride for an hour, I'll be tired. Exactly. Yeah, but that's not true. Yeah. All right. So anybody listening to this hmm. has not done long warm-ups, you owe it to yourself to try it. Mm -hmm. Try it and see how it goes. I mean, yeah, maybe the worst case is it doesn't work for you and you are tired and now you don't have to do it ever again. My prediction is that you will find it's an amazing trick to get your body to be able to do its best work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. All right, Glenn, I want to come back on this follow-up episode and we'll talk about other things that happen in this 24-hour period. There's this exercises you might do the day before or even the morning of that would help open you, you know, call them openers, say. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about food that you might take or might avoid in that 24-hour period so that you don't have digestion issues while you're racing or low energy while you're racing or whatever you might be experiencing currently. And then there's this business of getting your equipment ready and making sure that you have your checklist ready so that you can show up with as little stress as possible mm -hmm. on time, having forgotten nothing so that you can then do the stuff that we talked about here today and then do your race, which is just a whole nother matter. And we'll, we'll have to come back to on a separate series to talk about racing and how to do that. Well, mm -hmm. that sounds like a lot of fun. All right, Glenn. Okay, buddy. Thank you much. My pleasure, Joe. I will see you tomorrow racing, I guess, on Zwift, right? <laughs> yes. Very good. Well, well, I did get my vaccine today, so we'll ah, see. Okay. We'll see how I'm feeling. Right now, I'm saying yes. This is your first, your first shot, though, right? Yes. Okay, so you should be fine tomorrow. Good. It's the second dose. All right, buddy. <laughs> All right. You take care, Joe. Okay. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion with Glenn Winkle on the why and how of warming up well as an older athlete. This is part one of a two-part series on how to wisely prepare for a big event in the last 24 hours before the start. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I know I learned a lot. In part two, we'll cover the rest of Glenn's checklist. Be sure to head over to wiseathletes.com if you have a question for Glenn. While you're there, you can also see all of our other episodes, subscribe to our podcast, or you can sign up for our newsletter. If you are on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That would be a great help. Thanks again.